Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. What is something specific, one area of your life that you are hoping to change for the better? We're in this series talking about better, and we know that when we make better choices, that will lead to a better life, a better life that we want and God desires for us. So what is one specific area of your life that you're hoping to change? I hope you've been asking that question, and especially this week, we want you to be asking that question. What's something you're hoping to change? For some of you, you are hoping to get out of debt. Some of you are hoping to be better with your money. Some of you, I imagine, are hoping to improve your marriage. There's others of you, you might be hoping that you're like, this is the year I'm going to get in better physical shape. Some of you are hoping to be more organized. Some of you are hoping to grow more in your faith, to grow closer to God and to God's people. I don't know what it may be for you, but you are hoping for something to be better in your life. Now, hope is good. Hope is great, in fact. You never want to go through life without hope, but hope alone is not going to change your life. Hope won't change your life, but habits will change your life. It's important to have hope, but it's critically important to have the right habits because hope alone won't change your life, but your habits will. Uh, Let me give you a little example of what I'm talking about here today. Now, I want you to think back to Wednesday. So everybody, I want you to leave Sunday and go back to Wednesday. Who's here on Sunday still? Raise your hand. Okay, good, good. A couple of you. No, no, get back. Everybody go to Wednesday. Okay, we're back on Wednesday. What did you do Wednesday morning? Just think for about it for a minute. Chances are, if you start to think about it, you will remember. And the reason you remember what you did on Wednesday morning, because chances are it's the same thing you did on Tuesday morning, and the same thing you did on Thursday morning and Friday morning. I don't know what your specific morning routine is, but at some point your alarm went off and you got right out of bed or you hit the snooze alarm. We talked about that last week. We're about 50-50 in this church with the, with the jump out of bed and the, the, you know, the snoozers people, you know? You know, and everybody each side says it with, you know, proud with, you know, everyone's like, yes, this is the way to do it. You probably did the same thing on Tuesday. Probably did the same thing on Thursday and Friday. After you got up, whenever you got up, you probably went to the bathroom because that's what most people tend to do at that point. You might have checked your phone. You might have checked the, the weather or email or Instagram, and hopefully you read the Bible. At some point, you took a shower. If not, dang, man, it's time. Take a shower, please. (laughs) Then you got dressed. Then you probably had something to eat, or if you eat in the morning, and whatever you ate, it's probably the same thing you ate on Tuesday morning and on Thursday morning and on Friday morning. At some point then, you drove to work. Chances are you took the same route to work that you took on Tuesday, that you took on Thursday, that you took on Friday, and chances are you don't even remember driving to work. You were on autopilot, which is actually kind of scary if you think about it. But it all illustrates most of what you normally do isn't a result of hope. It's a result of the habits that you've created. Hope alone isn't going to change your life. Habits will. 
In fact, a fascinating study came out of Duke University, and they showed that 40% of the actions you do daily are not a result of decisions you make, but of the habits that you've created. I want you to think about that. Almost half of what you do every single day, you're not making a conscious decision about it. It's just a result of your daily habits. So if you want to change your life, then you've got to change your habits. You want to change your life, then it's time to change your habits. And if you can change even one habit, if you can change one habit in your life, that will help move you towards a more preferred future, a better life that you want for you and that God wants for you. So today, what I want to do is I want to show you the power of, of one habit. I'm really going to illustrate with this, but I want to show you the power of one habit, a holy habit, a God-honoring habit that can change your life for the better. Again, this is an example, but it might be something that you embrace, but you'll see that there is power in one holy, God-honoring habit. I want you to turn your Bibles to Daniel chapter 6. Or if you have your phone, go to the YouVersion Bible app. We're going to be in Daniel chapter 6 today. And in Daniel chapter 6, we're going to go back a few years prior to Daniel 6 to 587 B.C. And in 587 B.C., King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, along with his armies, attacked the people of Israel. They attacked Jerusalem. They, they burned down the city. They burned down God's holy temple. They destroyed as much as they could to humiliate the Jewish people. Then they took many Jews captive back to Babylon, including the best and the brightest of the young people. And they took them back to essentially indoctrinate them into the ways of Babylonian life and Babylonian culture. If you want to change a culture, where do you start? You start with the kids. And I can tell you this, what's happening in our country today with what our kids are being taught today, I can guarantee you the course we're on, the trajectory we're on, our country will be unrecognizable in a generation because of what we're now teaching today. So in this country, they are taking these Jewish people and they are going to indoctrinate them into the Babylonian ways. One young teenager named Daniel stood out among everybody else, among the captives, and the question is, how would the indoctrination change Daniel? How would it remove, you know, sort of his Jewishness, if you will, from who he was, from how he had been raised up to that point? Well, let's go through the story a little bit. One day, the king has some really bizarre dreams. He goes to his, his spiritual advisors, his dream interpreters. Nobody can figure out the dream. Everybody, or people know that this guy, Daniel, he, God gave him wisdom and the ability to interpret dreams. King hears about this and says, Daniel, come in. I want, to hear, I want you to hear my dreams. Tell me what they mean. Daniel hears them. Again, he's been given wisdom by God, the ability to interpret dreams. He hears the dreams. He interprets them. The king is so blown away by this that he actually acknowledges that the God that Daniel serves is in fact the true God. And the story of Daniel and this story raises an important question. How did God do something so big, so spectacular, so impactful through Daniel? How was that even possible? And the answer is, 
God will often work in a big way, a spectacular way, in a mighty way through something small. He will move through and work through little or small habits that we have in our life. God works in big and mighty ways, often as a result of small habits that are in our life. Let me give you some more of the backstory in case you don't know. So Daniel has now found favor with the king. Eventually the king wants to promote Daniel, Daniel chapter six, verse three, to second in charge of the entire country. It's the king and then Daniel. It's kind of like, think like, remember the story of Pharaoh and, and Joseph type thing, right? And so the king's advisors and all those that are around him, they get jealous. And so they want Daniel canceled. They want him not promoted. So they look to Daniel and they start watching him and observing him. They're trying to find something wrong. They're trying to find some character flaw that they could expose and discredit Daniel. In fact, Daniel chapter 6 verse 5 says this. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these evil advisors go to King Nebuchadnezzar and they come up with this idea. And they say, okay, you know what, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna convince the king to create a law that requires everybody to pray to the king. And if anybody prays to any other person but the king, they're going to be thrown into a den of lions, Daniel chapter six, verse seven. In other words, execution by lion. These advisors, They go to the king and they whisper flattering words to the king. King, you're so great. King, you're so worthy of honor and and people should be praying to you, O king. And anyone who doesn't pray to you, they're just proving their disloyalty and they should die by lion. And the king agreed. He's like, hey, yeah, that sounds good. That's great. You know, I am worthy. I am special. Let's do it. People are going to start praying to me alone. Daniel chapter 6, verse 9. Now, I want to check out and notice Daniel's holy habit, his small God-honoring habit that made him the man that he was. Scripture says this, Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. It says, says, now when Daniel learned about the decree that had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Check it out. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed giving thanks to his God, here it is, just as he had done before. Just as he had done before, as he had always done, three times a day, it was his habit. Everybody say habit. It was his habit regardless of the circumstances around him. Now, some of you know the story. These spiritual advisors to, you know, these advisors of the king, they, they catch Daniel, of course, because they're looking out for something wrong. They, they set this whole thing up. And they catch Daniel in the act of praying to God and not to the king. So they went to the king and they said, king, we have found a perpetrator of this law. And they have they violated the law, Daniel chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. And, and so the king's like, okay, yeah, let's go. Den of lions, you know, this is it. Execution by lion. But then the king found out who the person was. And he found out it was Daniel. He really liked Daniel. So he's torn. But he had issued an executive order. And so if he doesn't follow through with this executive order, then he's going to appear weak. And, and that's going to affect his ability to govern and rule. And people will question his authority. 
And so the king reluctantly has to throw, gives the order to have Daniel thrown into the lion's den. The king was up all night long wondering what's going to happen to Daniel. Will, God, will his God rescue him? Daniel chapter 6, verse 18, early in the next morning, the king rushes in to see what's left of Daniel. To his utter shock, Daniel chapter 6, verse 21, Daniel answered him and said, Long live the king. May God, my God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight. How did Daniel have that kind of faith? How did Daniel have the faith to stare down the lions? How did Daniel set himself apart from other people? And the answer is one small, holy, God-honoring habit. Daniel prayed, just as he had always done before. And what did this habit of seeking God, not just once, but three times a day in prayer, what did it do for Daniel? Uh, the scripture isn't clear on this, and so we would have to guess, but I can assume, as you could assume, that, that this habit that he had of going to God, seeking God faithfully three times a day, every single day, we can kind of assume it built his faith in God, that it strengthened his spiritual intimacy with God, that he learned to hear the voice of God and be prompted by God, and, and God would lead him and guide him. I suspect this God-honoring holy habit gave him the confidence to say no to temptation. It gave him the spiritual strength to stand firm when others might have fallen, to pray even when the law said something different, even when he stood face to face with starving lions. One powerful, God-honoring, holy habit literally set the spiritual trajectory of Daniel's life. And that's why you, that's why me, that's why we don't ever want to ever, ever, ever underestimate what God can do through one small holy habit. We don't want to underestimate the power of God to move in a mighty way, in a powerful way, in our marriage, or in our singleness, or in our work environment, in our health, in our friendships, in the ministry impact. You don't want to underestimate what God can do in you and through you through one small, God-honoring, holy habit that you embrace in your life. So what is it? What is it for you? What is one God-honoring step that you can take in your life? And how do you make it a habit? I'm hoping and I'm praying that God is speaking to you. You are seeking God as you're hearing today, as you are listening, you are asking God, you are inviting God to speak to you. God, what is it for me? What are you stirring in me? And maybe you already know. What is that one small, holy God-honoring habit that God wants to do a mighty work in and through your life to make you better, to make you the person you want to be and that God wants you to be? And how do you make it a habit? 
let me do a quick review because what we've been doing these uh, weeks through the series is we're kind of talking about some principles that really kind of build on each other. If you missed any of the last couple of weeks, I encourage you to go check it out. Even if you saw them or watched them or participated, go watch them or listen to them again. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about a really important principle. And we said that lasting change, real change, change that matters. It's not behavior modification. We're talking about spiritual transformation. That God isn't, we're not just trying to change some behavior we do in our life. We're actually trying to be transformed in a powerful way, in a mighty way, in a spiritual way. Lasting change is spiritual transformation. And so for change to be spiritual, it has to be spiritual, right? It has to be spiritual. And so we ask the question, what's your spiritual why? You want to change something in your life, what's the spiritual component to it? To it? And so you may say, oh, I want to get in better shape. Well, it's not to get in better shape to look good in your clothes or, or, or something like that. It's because you have the te- your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and you want to honor God with your body. You don't want to just be better with your money. You don't want to just be, you know, someone who's financially, fiscally responsible and all that just because that's a good thing to do. That's great. But the spiritual why is, hey, why do I want to be good with my money? Because I want to honor God with the resources that he's given me. And so I want to know what God says about money. I want to think about money and I want to use money the way God wants me to think about it and the way God wants me to use it. We don't just have a worldly why. We have a spiritual why, which that's going to lead to the spiritual transformation. Last week, we talked about our identity. Why do you do what you do? Why do I do what I do? And we said, you do what you do because of what you think of you. What will you do? you're doing, what I'm doing, it's because of what we think about ourselves. And so we were talking about identity. So if you want to change what you do, we have to change what we think of ourselves. Change what you think of you, or more importantly, change what your understanding is of what God thinks of you. What God thinks of you. And if we begin to understand that our identity is in Christ, it's not about who I think I am, it's who God thinks I am. My identity is in Christ. That empowers me to do the will of God. Remember, it's Christ through me. It's God through me, the scriptures say. And today we're going to talk about our spiritual what. Your spiritual what is your habits that lead to the outcomes that most please God. Your spiritual what? That's your habits. Holy God-honoring habits that lead to outcomes that are going to please God and lead you to the better life that you want and God wants for you. And so the question today is based on who you actually want to become, what habit do you need to start? Based on who you want to become, what habit do you need to begin to start? What do you need to change for the better? Whatever it is, by the way, let's just all start small. Everybody say small. Say small. Let's start small. That's how we want to frame this. Maybe you want to be somebody who says, I want to be closer and more intimate with God. And so your one holy habit might be to read the Bible every single day from cover to cover. No, 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 no. Start, start small. So how about your holy habit is God's book before Facebook? Small. I didn't make that up, by the way. That wasn't, I, I found that somewhere. So just to be clear, I'm not that clever. 
God's book before Facebook. Maybe you want to leave a spiritual legacy. So you smart, start small. And if you have kids, just spend a minute praying with them every night before bedtime. Based on who you want to become, what habit do you need to start? Maybe you're a leader at work in some capacity, actually leading a team or just, you're just a leader type and you have influence, and you say you want to be someone who genuinely cares about people. Great. So what's a habit? Maybe a habit is you say, each day, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to write one little note of appreciation to one person. Or I'm going to send one little email to, of appreciation to one person. I'm going to start small. Maybe you want to be a godly example if you have teenagers and you say, you know what? We're going to do a Bible reading plan together. And then each day we're just going to do a quick text or a quick call or whatever, or, you know, when we get home and we're just going to quickly make a comment about what we all read. That's it. We're not going to get deep into it. We're just going to start. We're going to read together and, and make a quick comment. You might say, hey, I want to be healthier. Again, we've brought this up. I want to honor God with my body. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so you start small. And so for you, you say, you know what? I love Coke. I can't get away from Coke. It's my favorite drink in the world. Okay, so start small. Instead of Coke, how about Coke Zero? <laughs> By the way, anything that says zero, like, you know, zero sugar on it, Coke Zero. I joke with my family that anytime you see like zero Coke Zero, that means zero, Coke Zero, zero percent chance of living. You drink anything that's made in the lab like that. So that one is my joke. <laughs> so the next time someone in your family buys zero, you say, you know what? I genuinely want to be closer to God. So what's one habit you need to start? For you, it might be, and I praise God you're here, but maybe some of you are like, you know what? I just don't come to church very often. And so I'm going to start being regular about it, attending church regularly, no more excuses. By the way, the Bible talks about habits in attending church. Hebrews chapter 10 says this, verse 25, some people have given up, and let's say the word together, some people have given up the, some people have given up the, some you have given up the habit of meeting for worship, but we must not do that. So you decide, I'm going to step into the habit of meeting with other believers to worship Almighty God together. That I want to hear God's word with other believers and be in the room and be in the environment to what God's saying to all of us collectively. I want to be together with God's people to worship God. I can go onto YouTube and I can watch a video of another church worshiping and I can watch a YouTube video on worship, but I want to be in the presence of God with God's people and so I'm going to make the habit of saying, I need to be a part of that. I want to encourage others, and I want to be encouraged. I'm a part of God's family, so I'm going to attend family events based on who you want to become. What's one habit that you need to start? For you. One small, God-honoring, holy habit. What do you need to start? Now, for the remaining uh, uh, minutes of our time together, what I want to do is I just want to talk real practically about creating the habit. God's speaking to you about what's that habit for you, but, but how, do you, how do you get the habit going and maintain it? What do you do? How do you create the habit and keep the habit? 
We talked about this a few years ago in a series all about, you know, habits. But uh, let me just run through this quickly for us, either as a review or just because we need it, because I don't think all of us remember this. So make sure you, you might want to write this down if you haven't been. Really important. So how do you create a habit? First of all, you want to make it obvious. Everybody say obvious. obvious. You make it obvious. If there's something you want to change, then there's got to be an obvious nature to what it is that you're going to do. Anyone who teaches on habits, they all talk about their own version of, of, a, of a habit process or the habit pattern or a, a habit cycle. James Clear writes the excellent book, Atomic Habits, and he says this ha- habit cycle or this habit pattern, it always starts with a cue. Everybody say cue. It starts with a cue. There's something that you see. And once you see that, it creates a desire in you. It creates this desire or a craving. So you have a cue, and then you have this desire, this craving. That is followed by your response or your action that you take. And then once you have that response, that action, you then have the reward, the dopamine hit, the sugar buzz, the kiss on the cheek, the accolades, whatever it may be, there's a cue. There's a craving, there's a response, and then there's the, revo- the reward. This four-step, four-process pattern is involved in every one of your habits that you have in your life in some way, shape, or form. And the cue is the key to the habit cycle. The cue is what sets you up for success or failure when it comes to making the changes in your life. Let me illustrate with just a silly cue uh, that affects me. Anytime my sister-in-law bakes her chocolate chip cookies, anytime, and I see those, listen, I could be running a marathon the next day and be in tip-top shape. I've never ran a marathon, by the way, but let's just pretend that I was going to, and I'm in perfect shape, and I have to eat perfectly. If she makes those, that cue sets off the craving. And I'm like, oh my goodness, the craving or the longing for, last week I mentioned the donut things, and on cue, the stinking worship team took it as a challenge. They put the donut back there with my name on it, Pastor Chris, nice crunchy apple fritter. I've smelled it multiple times. I haven't taken it yet. Just for the record, last week I said I'm not always perfect in it. So just leaving a little out in case I cave. But when my sister-in-law makes those, man, that sets it off for me. And there's the craving, and so I have to respond by eating them. I get the reward, that taste that's out of this world, that satisfaction that comes. And then I get the long-term reward, which is suffering because I ate too many of them. If you want to change what you do, you got to change your cues. So the first step to creating a God-honoring, holy habit Just make it something that's obvious. If you want to read your Bible every single day, then you start your day off by making sure the Bible is in a place that's accessible. It's not in your drawer. It's right there on your nightstand. Or or maybe you're going to have breakfast or cereal. Put it right next to the cereal so in the morning it's there. You're like, what else am I going to do? Let's read the Bible. That's your cue. 
Whatever time you get up, you put a reminder on your phone 15 minutes later to read the YouVersion Bible app, right? That's your cue. You make it obvious. Start there. If you want to do a morning workout, you put your workout clothes right where when you get out of bed, boom, there's the clothes sitting there so you can just put them on. The cue is right there. You don't have to go hunting and looking for them. Make it obvious. Everybody say obvious. The second step, we've already been alluding to it, is you make it easy. Everybody say easy. Make it easy. Make it obvious, make it easy. James Clear again said that the key to starting any habit is to make sure that it's something that takes two minutes or less. Make it obvious, make it easy. David Allen, in his book, Getting Things Done, he actually says if it takes two minutes or less, just do it right then and there. He says, don't actually put it on a to-do list. He says, just do it. If it takes two minutes or less, just do it right then and there. And as YouTuber Cajun Koi Academy says, this young little kid's got 1.2 million followers. He says this about this. He says, it's not some Jedi mind trick, but limit yourself to only two minutes. It actually works. And then he gives examples in his own, in his own life. It's not a Jedi mind trick. It's just, it actually works. Let's say you want to get in the habit of journaling. Great habit. So make it obvious. Put the journal somewhere where you will guarantee you see it. That's your cue. Then your goal is not to write four or five or six pages. You're just not going to do that. But your goal is two sentences. Make it easy. If you make it a habit of writing two sentences a day, you might start writing three or four sentences But I can guarantee you, if you don't write two sentences, you will never write three or four sentences. Make it easy. The key to a successful and sustainable habit is to make success easy, easily attainable. Don't have this all or nothing. Oh, you know, I got to go work out for an hour. Don't have that. Make the threshold of success really low. That's how you train your brain that, yes, I am disciplined. Yes, I am spiritual. Yes, I am somebody who's loving. Yes, I am somebody who forgives. You don't exercise, let's say, but you want to start. Make it easy. Get down and do two push-ups. If you do two, you might do three. If you don't do two, you're never doing four. (laughs) So start somewhere. Just start. Just start, make it easy, and whatever the easy is, consider that success. That's the power of the mind and the power of habit. James Clare also talks about habit stacking, that you do one thing, one habit, and then you just have another habit right after that habit, and then another habit, and so on. And that's how you really get things rolling in the habit world. Now, I can't prove this, but I suspect that Daniel participated in habit stacking. He prayed three times a day. I doubt he was like, he prayed, and then he was like, oh, I just did one. Let me just do another one real quick, and I do another one. Oh, let me do another one. Boom, I knocked out my three times a day. Right? No, I don't think he did that. He probably had some habit stacking going on. Maybe he got up, and as soon as he got up, he prayed. Maybe at lunchtime, he prayed. Maybe in the evening time before he went to bed, he prayed. Or maybe at every meal, he, he ate and he prayed, or he prayed and he ate. There was something he probably had a, 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 a habit that he stacked on another one to when he prayed. Make it obvious, make it easy, stack your habits. So you have your spiritual why, you have your spiritual who, 
You have your spiritual what? And that's your habits. I love what the Apostle Paul said. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, he said this. Physical training, we could say physical habits. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. He's not talking about behavior modification here. He's talking about spiritual transformation. He's talking about holy habits that make an impact on our lives for here and for eternity. Physical habits, physical training is good, but training habits for godliness is much better because they promise benefits in this life and in the life to come. And in the life to come. Just one small, God-honoring, holy habit. One at a time. And they will move you to become more like Jesus. You will experience better, a better life that you desire, that your heavenly Father desires for you. If you're hoping to change, listen, hope is great, but hope alone won't change your life. Habits will. Hope can get you started, but your habits are going to keep you going towards your goal. Some of you, might hear everything I'm saying and say, Pastor, this is all great. I get it. Let's start small, make it obvious, make it easy. That's great. Big deal. Really? Small, two push-ups, really? Two, two sentences in a journal, really? Two sentences of prayer to God, really? Is that really big deal? Okay, fair enough. What does God say? What does God say? Zechariah chapter four, verse 10. It says this, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work what? Begin. God rejoices when you say, man, I want to change. I want to have a better life. I want to honor God with my life. I want to live the life that God has for me. And God rejoices when you start. Make it obvious. Make it easy. Start. And when you step into the life of having habits that are God-honoring, holy habits, then over time, you will find yourself wanting to add another little habit and another little habit. So what habit do you need to start? Physical training's good, but training for godliness is better. You'll change for the better by creating God-honoring, holy habits. So what God-honoring, holy habit do you need to start? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, God, I ask that right now you do a work, God, that only you can do in our life. Because God, everything I'm talking about today, you're through your Holy Spirit, God, you're the one who changes life, lives and transforms lives. And God, you're the one who's speaking to our heart. And so as we're praying, you're sitting there right now, and if you're somebody who says, you know what, I want to honor God with a holy habit, if that's you, I'm going to invite you right now to take a moment and tell God that. And if you know what it is, if God's already stirring you, tell him what it is. And don't be embarrassed, don't be ashamed, no matter how small it is. Because God doesn't despise the small beginnings, you shouldn't either. Because God rejoices when you will just begin and start. So right now, you tell God, 
And if you don't know what it is yet, ask God to speak to you. So in your own words, go to him with that holy God-honoring habit. God, some of us, I imagine as we're praying and God, we're saying, here you go. Here's the step. Here's the habit. God, some of us, our brains are already starting to move and thinking strategy and all this. And God, we just want to come back to recognizing that we need you. It's not me. It's not my willpower. It's not my strength. But it's only Christ through me that I can even begin and I can even start. So God, right now, here's our habit that we want to engage in. And we recognize, God, we need you to lead us, to guide us, to direct us, to give us the strength to step into this and to move forward and to do the God-honoring holy habit. So God, our life is in your hands and we're relying on you to help us. Christ, through me. God, we love you. We praise you for your message that you have for us today. And God, we praise you for the good work that you will do in us and through us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.